Ron and Anian. A lot of things can make an engine not reach power. This could be low fuel pressure, and the flow chart will never take you take you through that. This could be restricted exhaust. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. The car doctor. Pull the fuse out. Look at it. I've seen fuses do some flaky things, and I'm getting in the habit on intermittence just looking at fuses now. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and the car doctor here. As uh, we kick off this hour of the car doctor at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions and uh, kind of mosey on down the road. My name's Ron Ananian, a.k.a. The Car Doctor. Been here for, oh, 28-plus years or so talking to you about radio and uh, how to fix it and solve it. So if you've got a problem, make it my problem. Let's get together here on air. Give me a shout, 855-560-9900. A lot I want to talk about this week. I think among them, um, um, I played Techline a little bit this week. I, I It was funny. I noticed... That the calls for help from shops around me that I deal with on a professional basis, you know, as helping them out solving problems where they bring it to the shop are, are increasing, which, which tells me the complexity is increasing, which we knew, and the ability to deal with it and the, 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 the skill set is shrinking. And um, that, 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 that says a lot. And it's, the numbers have been going up this week. I was working on five separate cars outside of the load in the shop. And we fixed them all. We figured them all out. But it's still, it's just, you know, it, it tells you what's what's going on because um, it, it's not good. And it, it's still a case that I go to training class, and I still go to classes. I still attend classes, uh, automotive training group, and uh, um, uh, uh, Jerry Trulia and his bunch. Um, uh, you know what, what they're trying to do, uh, technician service training, and um, you know it's still empty classrooms for what I think should be there. It's a small fraction of, of the technicians that are there. I, you know, I think it's partly, I don't know if we don't want to face auto repair or we're just afraid of it. Ah, you know, we got by with this and my dad did this and this is how it used to work and this is how it's going to work. But the problem is, you know, it's it's just not going to last for long and, and we're, we're going to run out of time. We're going to run out of technicians and we, we've surely run out of common sense. Has anybody seen this ruling by the Michigan court uh, does tire rotation include tightening lug nuts? Michigan court thinks about it for a while and concludes, no, this article is written by Aaron Gordon, um, it looks like, and it's in um, on MSN.com, and it is absolutely the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. This is sort of akin to you can put your shoes on, but you don't have to tie the laces, all right? And it'll surely will go down as one of the most, in history, as one of the most galaxy brain court rulings. He's being way too kind. I would have said absolutely stupid. A Michigan appeals court determined that a tire rotation does not, in fact, include tightening the lug nuts. Now, you got to understand something, folks. This is what happens when you allow the government to explain something to you about how a procedure should be done. What moron thinks you don't have to tighten lug nuts to do a tire rotation? And I guess that's true. If you don't want to take the car down the road, you don't have to tighten the lug nuts. But if you want to take the car down the road safely, so maybe it should be you can get a tire rotation, you don't have to put the lug nuts on, you got to call a flatbed and have that drive you around. I mean, it goes to show you the lack of understanding of what auto repair is. Because a, a court in Michigan actually ruled this. Here's the story, all right? Uh, let me get to the part. 
Uh, let's see. It um, in an initial trial. No, no, we don't want to start there. Um, let's see. It talks about in October 2013, Sam and Doris took their car home from a dealership in Grand Rapids, Michigan, after having some basic repairs and maintenance conducted. One of which included a tire rotation. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. About two blocks from the dealership, the left front wheel came off, causing the car to skid into a turn. Turns out the mechanic did not tighten the lug nuts. Sam, who sustained the lower back and leg injuries, leg injuries in the crash, sued the dealership and the mechanic for negligence. I would agree with that. I mean, that's that's in in this day and age, I can understand that. In typical legal maneuver, Sam's attorney, his last name is Anaya, I believe that's the way that's pronounced, attorney invoked the Motor Vehicle Service and Repair Act. So here we go, government regulation trying to dictate and predicate on what auto repair should be, which is a 1974 law that protects car owners against unfair and deceptive practices by mechanics in addition to the charge of negligence. They did so because a defendant that violates the MVR MVSRA must not only pay damages, but also the plaintiff's legal and court costs. In cases involved, in cases involving screwed up oil changes or tire rotations, the legal fees can often be far higher than the damages. In the initial trial, the court instructed the jury that the dealer and the mechanic hadn't violated MVR, MVSRA. The mechanic admitted he had forgotten to tighten the lug nuts. Now I got to tell you something, and I don't agree with this ruling. All right, there's a difference between forgetting and out-and-out deception. And I and I think that's where the line is. You know, when I go out to purchase insurance and we talk about liability insurance for the shop every year and I talk to my insurance guy and he, you know, he says, you're covered, you've got enough liability. You know, we talk about what's the difference between, you know, God forbid we do a brake job on a car and it rolls off a cliff filled with orphans and it hits a busload of nuns coming up the other way. And he said, you know, I said, that's three, four million dollars. And he said, yeah, but the odds of that happening and, the, you know, if that's defective parts, that's not on you. That's actually on the parts manufacturer as long as they were installed correctly. So there's always that fine line of, you know, neglect, deception, and inability. All right? So this ruling is really all about MVSRA, if you read it, is really all about if a mechanic says he did something, charged you for it, but in actuality, he didn't do it. Because here's the crazy part. The court ruled that the MVSRA had not been violated. Since it protects consumers from, among other things, the court decided, charges for repairs that are not performed, the judges felt they needed to determine if, in fact, the tire rotation was performed. Hey, did they do a tire rotation? That's how the ruling ended up with an entire section titled Interpretation of the Word Perform. So, in other words, the court made a big federal case, no pun intended, out of no no court, no judge, you get it, um, out of did they actually rotate the tires? Listen, genius, you took the tires off the car, you let, loosened the lug nuts, you got to tighten the lug nuts, all right? So the judge managed to reach the following conclusion about whether a tire rotation is performed if one does not tighten the lug nuts. Here you go. Here's government doing auto repair. You ready for this? We conclude under the plain language, I'm going to read this verbatim, MCL 257.1307, lowercase a, that defendants did perform a tire rotation, albeit negligently, there is no support for the trial court's determination that a tire rotation is not performed if a service person fails to sufficiently tighten the lug nuts on one tire. And there you have it. So in other words, you can be a complete idiot, do a tire rotation, not tighten the lug nuts, 
and you're not putting anybody in any sort of harm. You're not responsible. The court says that it's 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 not your fault. Hey, you did your best. Is this are we are we playing? Is this you know is this t ball? Are we all trying to win trophies here? Hey, Johnny did his best. Everybody gets to go home and have cake. I I, I don't understand this, Mister Ray. You want to make a comment? I was just going to say it kind of makes you wonder what if the ruling would have been different had this happened to the judge or his wife or one of his kids. Well, that, and it makes you wonder, God forbid there was a fatality. You know, how many of us, show of hands virtually, right, for everybody out there listening, how many of us get up to a traffic light and you go, God, this intersection needs a traffic light, right? You you think to yourself, I'm sorry, before it's a traffic light, right? You go, God, they got to put a light here. And it doesn't happen for the longest time. And then, unfortunately, there's an accident. And sometimes there's a fatality. And isn't it amazing how the geniuses in charge then put the traffic light up after the fact? Well, I guess we need a light here. Pulling out of my street, and I've been pulling out of my street where I live for 60 years, all right? If you look to the left, the the, the sight distance between where the genius put the trees up and the stop sign to get out of my street, he cut it down by two-thirds, it's hard to make a left turn. And I've explained this to my wife because the road we live on off of is a busy road. And it's 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 a 45-mile-an-hour speed limit. So 45 miles an hour, I've got less than two-and-a-half car lengths of, of, of sight vision from, to the stop sign, from the stop sign, to see if a car is coming. Do you know I've, I've complained to the police department? I've complained to the to the town workers i've complained to the county police everybody nobody responds nobody says yeah you're right but i've gone out there and clocked it i've had somebody drive along at 45 miles an hour from the minute i see the bumper to the minute they get to the stop sign it's two and a half seconds two and a half seconds is not enough time to react to a car coming and i don't know i'm gonna say it here on air i'll probably get a traffic light at the end of my street when hopefully somebody, well, I guess hopefully when when somebody has an accident and survives is what I'm trying to say, because I sure as heck hope it isn't the other way. Um, but the insanity of all this. So there you go. So I just want to let everybody know that you can now go get your tires rotated and not to tighten lug nuts. And if the wheels fall off, who cares? The court said it's the way and that's just the way it must be. That's the problem with auto repair. I defy anybody that is presiding over this case to go spend a day in a repair shop. Okay. I, I absolutely implore you to do that. I defy you to walk out of that repair shop without thinking, huh, I guess there are some essential things that just, it's just common sense. It's, you know, it'd be one thing if they did an oil change and didn't change the filter, nobody's going to get hurt. The car's going to keep running. All right. It's not going to be great for its longevity, but it's still going to keep running. But what's next? We have to replace brake parts and not tighten all the parts so the calipers don't fall off, so the rotor doesn't fall off. So I don't know. You know, in in, in the words of the late, great Bob Grant, it's sick out there, folks, and it's getting sicker. 855-560-9900. Ron and Annie, the car doctor, coming back right after this.
write it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. You know, not to keep banging that drum, but regarding that Michigan court ruling that tightening lug nuts is not part of a tire rotation, does that mean if you were to re-roof a house, all you have to do is lay the shingles on? You don't have to use nails or screws to attach it? I mean, that's the same logic, isn't it? And these are the people that are running the courts. So hopefully we're on. I think we are. Actually, we are on in Maryland. Let's see if we get any response. Uh, in Michigan, rather. Steve in Maryland. Um, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm, I'm beating up Maryland unfairly. So, Steve, welcome to the car, doctor. Thanks for the great show that you have, sir. Thank I you, appreciate sir. it. You're welcome, sir. What's going on? I've got a 2013 Toyota Tacoma pre-runner. Four-cylinder automatic, of course. And uh, I was looking at the front end steering mechanism and linkage the other day, and I noticed that there's no fittings on any of the uh, steering components. Uh, I saw at a car parts store that they have a fitting that you can put on the end of a grease gun. And it has a, a heavy gauge hypodermic needle on it. And the idea is you can insert that into the rubber boot on each of the fittings on the front end linkage and inject grease because they don't have any grease fittings on them. I wanted to know how you felt about doing that. What you're talking about, and this has been going on for a while, um, is a hypodermic syringe-type device that it fits on the end of a grease gun, and it's a thin needle. And the concept is that you insert it into the rubber boot and uh, give it a shot of grease. And Correct. I'm familiar with the idea. Those needles originally came out because back in the 70s, we were trying to lubricate uh, grease fittings on universal joints, and the universal joints the, between the yoke and the body of the shaft was so big that nothing would fit, so they had to come out with a real thin hypodermic. Uh, just what you're seeing. You're, you're seeing probably the, 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 the second or third evolution of what it was back in the 70s to make that work. I, I like the idea, but I don't like the idea. My concern is inserting it into the rubber boot, then how do you seal the boot? Now, I guess you could Rube Goldberg it and... You know, maybe put a, a a dash of black RTV over it to seal the boot and make it waterproof again. But the truth is that you know front end components just don't wear like they once did. We don't we don't have those issues. You know, we'll typically see a hundred, a hundred and twenty five thousand miles out of a, a front end part before it may, and it may may or not show some some wear and tear. Parts are lasting longer. That tie rod, if it's, you know, that factory piece or even a replacement aftermarket piece that doesn't have a grease fitting, the better quality stuff, not the, not some of the cheaper Chinese junk that I can think of, um, you know, you'll typically get 100,000 miles out of that front end piece because they've got either Teflon or some kind of high quality um, in, endurable sleeve inside that ball and socket set up so that you, you, you don't necessarily wear it out. Um, my, my concern is sealing the rubber boot once you rupture it. And then the second part of it is, is it really necessary? You know, are we, are we worried about something that we really don't have to because of the way the component is made today? And I think in a lot of cases they are, uh, you know, it's, it's, I get this question a couple of times a year, not a whole lot, which tells me that 
people are concerned about it. You know, maybe we're, maybe we're still thinking a little bit old school, which is okay. Uh, you know, automotive re- automotive repair habits are hard to break, and uh, you know, it's it's a, it's a fair question. But I just I don't I don't think it's necessary, Steve. I really don't. Um, you, you know, uh, you know, because then the, then the issue is going to become: Are you going to do that to every every component on the front end, and are you going to keep track of it at oil changes? So that you know that the RTV, the the way that you sealed the rubber boot, has stayed sealed, and it hasn't popped out. Because once that little rubber plug, so to speak, pops out, it's going to allow moisture to get in there, and that's when it, that's what's going to cause the joint to deteriorate. Does that make sense? Right. You know. Um, okay. Uh, well, um, on on the other hand, uh, when you insert that hypodermic needle, it's going into a flexible boot. And uh, you're not really removing any material. You're just uh, making right. a you're, little. It's an insertion there, and uh, when you pull it back out, it it could self probably pretty much degree. seal up again, and then right. you just put the RTV on there, like you're saying. Right. It could self heal, but then you get down into how how bad does it need it? How many miles are on the truck, Steve? Twenty six thousand, a little over that. Twenty six thousand. Uh, you know, at 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 the rate you're putting on mileage, so it'll be 15 years before you hit 100,000 miles. I, right. you know, I don't, I, I just don't see it. You know, um, I just, I just don't see it. I, I think there's other things that I would be more concerned with. I think partly too that you know, just spending money on maintenance, just whatever fluids need to be done, and just normal tire rotations is probably effort and time better spent than, than, than something like that. Just my opinion, just my thoughts. Okay, well, I, I did uh, grease the uh, three universal joints on the drive shaft. Right. I have done that. Right. And another thing that surprised me, we're getting off onto another subject now. Uh, it says replace the engine coolant every 10 years, 120,000 miles. It, it says that in the manual. That's right, kinda... and, and the, the thing I don't like about that is that they're saying that for the first time around, even though it's the same coolant that's really rated five years, 100,000 miles. So I like it doing it sooner rather than later. That I agree on. I'm Ron Anini in The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. back. Just a reminder, this portion of The Car Doctor is brought to you by Omnicraft. Omnicraft offers the most commonly used maintenance and light repair parts, including oil filters, brake pads and rotors, coated calipers, loaded struts, radiators, wheel hub assemblies, cabin and engine air filters, and much, much more. You know, you've trusted Motocraft for decades. Now try Omnicraft. Backed by Ford, Omnicraft provide part solutions for non-Ford Lincoln vehicles. Omnicraft parts are available naturally at FordParts.com. Check them out. Let's get on over to Walt. Out in Maui, Maui, Hawaii. Walter! Walter, Hey, aloha, Ron. Walter, Walter, Walter. How are you today, sir? Good, thank you. What's going Uh, on? uh, Very quickly, it's a 1998 Isuzu Ombre, and that's a four-wheel drive. I flushed the brakes uh, fluid on it, and everything was going pretty normal until I got up to the left front, and then it just didn't feel right. So anyway, it's all that's all done. But every night, I it, the ABS light comes on sometimes, and 
I can feel there's some feedback in the pedal sometimes, too, that just doesn't seem right. So I, I, I'm suspecting there's some kind of problem with the ABS. I don't have the ability to uh, open it up or anything like that that I know of. Yeah, nobody does. Um Okay. In, in that sense. When, when you say feedback, Walt, is it typically you're approaching a stop sign or a stop, and as you apply the brakes and get down under, say, eight miles an hour, the pedal might occasionally vibrate and, and give you the, 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 the shake and push back? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. But it's not the normal feel you'd have when you slam on the brakes with right. ABS where right. you can feel it pulsating. Right, right. The The, the issue is... That there's a and, and well, let me say it like this: Has the problem been there ever since, or was it there prior and you were trying to fix it before you attempted the repair? Unfortunately, this uh, vehicle belongs to, to the proverbial little old lady, and I asked her that, and she said she didn't know. Right. The truck's a 1998; it's got 26,000 miles okay. on it. Okay. So I, I've got to think it was there beforehand, Walter. Because what's what's going on here, in all likelihood, is one of the wheels is reporting a, a different speed than the other three. So the even though it's not in a skid situation, think about what ABS mm-hmm. does. Anti-lock brakes is there so that as the vehicle slows down, if one wheel slows down faster than the others, it's approaching lockup. We're trying to prevent... The, the brakes from locking up, anti-lock brakes, right? Got so if, if, if we have brakes that lock up, then we have brakes that will put the car into a skid. Skid means out of control. Out of the control means accident or, or, or worse. So we're, we're, we're looking at wheel speed. Now, you may, through the OBD2 port, although I doubt it, um, have the ability to access, it depends if that anti-lock controller is on the data bus, for obd2 that you can get to it through the port if not it would take either some specialized tool for isuzu which i'm sure is left the country along with joe isuzu and company or you'd, you'd have to have a lab scope to measure the signal out of each wheel and decide which one is at fault and you know either one is tedious they can both be done if you have the tooling but you know that's basically what you've got going on uh, the only other thing you could do is if you want to disable that function, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd debate this too, I'd be willing to bet if you unplugged one of the wheel speed sensors that the Brook vehicle would stop normal without having the pushback sensation, and you just would not have anti-lock brakes functioning. You would throw a fault into yeah. the system it would then just go into a mild reset in the sense that it will just operate like normal brakes. The danger is that, obviously, anti-lock brakes won't work, but you know, you're know you faced with a situation, and here's the problem, you're faced with a situation that anti-lock brakes won't work, uh, that you probably can't get the parts anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, de- depending upon what it is. So, you know, this is, this is my argument about, you know, everybody loves their car until... And then you either can't get parts tooling or it's so old there's no information left that you can uh, access and repair it properly. So, uh, you know, the only other thing you could do is, is the vehicle heavily rusted, Walter? No. Um, do you have the ability well, to... Well, let, let me rephrase that. It's medium. Yeah, it's, it's getting crunchy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
if you could... It stays in a carport, but it's not in an enclosed garage. Okay. If, if you could get a look at the ABS tone rings, I know you're smart enough. You know what an ABS tone ring is, right? The, yes, I do. The actual toothed, for everyone else's benefit, the actual toothed ring that sits around the axle that triggers the sensor. If you could get a visual look at them and maybe spin the wheel and look at each tooth, is the ring on any one particular wheel cracked? All right. Okay. We we used to see this on 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 some of the um, early ABS on actually some of the Taurus and Sables uh, comes to mind. They did it a lot. Whereas they got old when they got to be fifteen, sixteen years old, sometimes even sooner, the tone ring would actually split. So it would or it would slip on the axle. And I see this on a lot of makes. Chrysler has this happen too, where the tone ring actually slips on the the axle itself. It doesn't stay in that press fit, and it spins. So now. Either either the tone ring is split and it interrupts the signal, or the tone ring is slips and it interrupts the signal, and the computer erroneously seeing a different signal from that wheel then applies and creates the anti-lock event. So sounds know. like a dis sounds like a dis disconnect. Right. That you'd have to pull the axle to fix that, wouldn't you? To pull the whole hub or change the axle. In in a lot of yeah. cases, you'd have to have an axle available. So. And yeah. again, we're back to, is it the proverbial little old lady, 26,000 miles in 21 years? Uh, what are we doing? Are we doing 2,000 miles a year, 2,500 miles a year or so? 1,000 um, uh, miles a year? I yeah, get doing... the feeling that the only time, her, I, <clears throat> short, real short version, her, her husband passed away a few years ago. Right. And the truck has basically sit since, and she's let people borrow it. And I think any... Uh, any mileage it's been on it is probably when she loaned it to somebody in the neighborhood. Right. And, and you know, the other thing you got to play with in your head, Walter, and you'll do the right thing, I know you will, is this is a liability thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody will get involved driving this vehicle, bad weather or slippery road condition. You know, you or I could drive it knowing the anti-lock brakes don't work because I think you and I are probably old enough to know how to drive without anti-lock brakes. You know, other than open the door and drag your foot, we understand counter steer and you know um, throttle. Throttle sometimes saves you in a skid. But yeah, I'm old uh, enough that we drug our feet. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Open the door, and you know <laughs> that's why we always walk with a limp because the one side of our shoes always yeah, it had worked. a little bit of camber to it. But you Most know, of the it, time it worked. It, it may be a suggestion here that she's better off just getting rid of the vehicle, and you know, for safety's sake, for liability's sake. And in that, um, you know, how how much does she need it? And if she's got the financial means just to replace it. You know, Walter, sometimes you just got to throw that old T-shirt out and the heck with it. Move on. She has a nice car. So right. She has a, a two, uh, 2012 uh, Nissan with like 12,000 miles on it. Right. So she doesn't really need this. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. really need this. But um, she seems to be emotionally attached to it. Well, and, 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 and that I understand. The liability thing, I guess it concerns me, but um, I probably should be more concerned about that. That's why I won't do a brake job without using all new parts, just for that same reason. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, listen, we just had a court in Michigan rule that uh, doing a tire rotation doesn't doesn't require you to tighten lug nuts, making you at, at liability or fault. So if that insanity I, I'm passes, you're kidding me. No, uh, that, go out, to, go out to we're, MSN, we're Walter. Line. Go out to MSN.com, and matter of fact, go out to our Facebook page. It's posted there, or get out to MSN.com and look up uh, Michigan Court ruling tire rotation or tire rotation Michigan Court, 
and read the story. You'll you'll be afraid Is to go out on the road. Uh, say again. <laughs> I can't. There must be a punchline. No, that, that can't Walter, be right. I'm serious. According, it's, it's, that's, that's absurd. Of course, you've got the government involved that's in absurd. trying to repair cars. You know, <laughs> you know Walter, I, I gotta I go. Twerk. Goodbye. I, I know. Thanks, take, Ron, for the take, help. Take good care, Bye-bye. Walter. Always enjoy it. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it's. I know. We, we all laugh about it like it's whatever. Ron and Aining the Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Aining the Car Doctor. Hey, real quick from uh, the folks at Super Chips. Super Chips is now supporting. Look how fast they come out with product, right? They're now supporting 2020 Jeep Gladiator. Uh, the 3.6 with Trail Dash 2. So they're allowing you to super tune even a twenty a model year 2020 vehicle, and they're uh, supporting the, the four-wheel drive, the trail guys. Um, more information at superchips.com. I thought that was really neat. I was reading that this morning. So uh, some great stuff, as always, from the folks at Superchips. Let's get over to Matt in Ohio, 96 Honda Civic. Matt, what's going on here? Hey, Ron. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, sir. Um, okay, well, uh, my Honda Civic, uh, one morning I went out, this was just happened out of nowhere. Uh, the clutch pedal just felt really weak, and it felt like it just lost all the pressure. Like I could push it to the floor; it, it was still return, but it didn't take much to push it, and I, it was unable to put the car in gear. Okay. While it started, so you know, the first thing I did was I checked to make sure to see if there's a, a leak in the hydraulic system for the clutch, and I didn't see any leaks anywhere so i figured something was wrong with the throw out bearing so anyway long story short i took the transmission out i changed the clutch and the throw out bearing and again you know the clutch plate and stuff put everything back together and put a new master cylinder new slave cylinder on it and i'm still having the same problem there's yeah. like no pressure and there's there's nothing else there you've changed everything uh, yeah, I've I've changed everything. So, so, like, my next theory was, is it possible that there's a small section, like 15 inches of hose, of rubber hose? Is it possible that if that collapses, is it possible that that could cause that kind of symptom? Well, let's 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 diagnose it using your thoughts. So, what you're asking me is, if there was a restriction in the hydraulic line. Would that prevent the clutch from operating, or would that change the way the pedal felt? Let's let's think about this. Wouldn't you think if there was a restriction in the hydraulic line, it would create higher pressure in the part of the hydraulic line that was working as you push down on the pedal and give you yeah. more, give you more feel, right? If if we think about a water hose and the water hose is running and we cap it with the palm of our hand, we're going to be building pressure in the hose, right? Yeah. So sort of the same thing as what you're describing. What 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 I'm more about here is when you go to bleed it, how are you bleeding the system? Uh well, I had a friend helping me okay. and I was I was by the slave cylinder with the wrench on the on the relief valve. Right. And and I had him he pump it five times and then hold it to the floor and while I would while I'd bleed it. You know, and then I would tighten it back up, and he'd lift it, lift his foot up off the clutch, and we did that like five times. And the pedal will return, as okay. I said. Like if you push the pedal to the floor, it will return back again. But there's just, and also the fork, the the, the sleigh cylinder will move the fork about an inch, and um, that's it. 
that that's it about probably about an inch so the, yeah. sy- the system's airbound is is really what is really what you're describing to me because i don't think an inch is enough throw on that fork to depress the plate i am thinking it, so so what i what i want you to try is this do you have a, do you have an o'reilly auto parts near you yeah, okay. right next to America. Get out, get out, get out, get out to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. Tell them what you're trying to do. Ask them. You know, it, it's been out there for a while, and I think O'Reilly Auto Parts still has it. Is you're looking for the hypodermic syringe, and what it is? It's going to look like a giant. It's going to look like a giant hypodermic with a little rubber boot on the end, sure. a, and it'll have like a right angle adapter to get into a tight spot. You can fill it with brake fluid. Okay. Turn it right side up, burp the air out. You'll feel like a doctor. You'll go, dink, 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 push up on the hypodermic. A little bit of fluid comes out. Okay, get all the air out of it. Open up the bleeder on the slave cylinder and take the cap off the master and shoot the brake fluid in that way. And what Shoot you're, it up through through the slave cylinder. Through the slave cylinder. What you're going to do is you're going to push the air up into the master and let it burp out the top of the master. Do that a couple of times. See if that changes the disposition of the clutch. And if it doesn't, call me back next week. But get out to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or check them out at O'ReillyAuto.com. And I'm thinking there's air in this system, Matt. There's that, That's all that's left. You've changed everything else. And uh, let's, let's let's just make sure it's bled. And then that'll be the foolproof method. And then let's uh, we can talk next week. All right, kiddo? Thanks, Ron. You're very welcome, sir. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Welcome back, Ron and the Car Doctor. Hey, we are just, geez, I think it's, I think we're three weeks away, November 16th. The Car Doctor is going down to Virginia Beach Convention Center, Virginia, to uh, take part in the Coastal Virginia Auto Show. We're going to be doing a live broadcast down there, um, uh, talking about cars and meeting everybody and seeing what's going on there. This, this is probably the East Coast, or one of the East Coast's biggest car shows. We're looking forward to being part of this. Um, November 16th and 17th. It's uh, Saturday, 10A to 7P, and Sunday, 10A to 6P. We'll be there on Saturday, uh, the Virginia Beach Convention Center. So um, we're looking forward to that, just a reminder. So uh, if you're down there and uh, or you're, you're traveling and cruising, hey, come on by, stop by, and stop by the booth and see the car doctor and uh, help us put on the live broadcast as we do our national radio show right there from the from the floor of the Coastal Virginia Auto Show. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, real quick before we go, I want to tell you the quick story. Had a 15, a 2015 Ford F-350 in the shop this week. And it was a check engine light. It was a welder's truck, right? So this, you know, had all the tanks on it and all the tooling and, you know, always carrying a load. And uh, this is a work truck, and it's working hard, right? Big 6.2 liter. And with about 90,000 miles, just shy of 90,000 miles on it, check engine light came on. It had a fault code P06B6, P06 Baker 6, which is a knock sensor circuit fault in the internal module of the PCM. You start reading the flow chart, and it tells you, in all likelihood, you get through the flow chart, it's one or two steps, it's a bad PCM. You do some research... And you look at the common pattern failures because you're subscribed to a couple of databases. Thank you very much. And it turns out that an ignition coil can create the problem. A little spritz of water from an ignition bottle. You hear tick, 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 tick. You know that the coil itself is misfiring. All motorcraft parts done down the road. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.